When you look up the term supernatural strength, what you'll find is a picture of Nathan Todd. Nathan has been to the lowest lows dealing with multiple health issues stacked up at the same time, misdiagnoses, and a whole lot more. He literally found himself in a place of darkness, and if it weren't for his supernatural strength, fueled by his relationship with God, he never would have made it out. Check out this episode to hear Nathan's amazing story and to learn about how he's using the difficult times he conquered to help others today using faith as fuel. Nathan Dodd, how are you doing? Great. Really thankful to be here. I'm thankful to be here. This is like, how did I even get here? This is wild. <laughs> Random text message from you as I'm driving to the gym one morning at like nine o'clock. And I was like, man, I was literally thinking about reaching out to you multiple times the past two weeks. It's, mm. You know how life gets in the way, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't. And I get this text. You're sharing all this new stuff that you're doing that I've been dying to hear about. And um, I remembered you lived in uh, in Fort Wayne. All right. I remember you lived in Indiana, but mm -hmm. I wasn't sure when. Now, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, God, if he says that he lives in Fort Wayne, which is where <laughs> I'm going to be for eight hours yeah. <laughs> next, next week, I'm going to make this podcast happen. And here we are. It's amazing. I just love synchronicities. Like how I, That's how I live my life. There's just so many times in my life that God's made a marker for me to see things repetitively or just the right person, the right time or the text, the right text. And the same thing, like literally you were in my heart as well, like obviously texting you yeah. and beyond just sharing what I'm doing. I just, you know, care about what's happening in your life. So I love that uh, that inspired me getting yeah. that text back saying, oh, I was just thinking about you. Yeah, it was, it was the truth, man. Um, all right. So before we get into like all the cool things that you're doing that I can't wait to hear about mm -hmm. and just heads up, you, you sent me your website, but I did not look at it yet because <laughs> I wanted you to tell me about it yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. But uh, give me a brief uh, introduction of who you are. And I guess we can get into what you've been through, because isn't that really why we're here? Mm, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. So um, I think a simple tagline to my life is heart and humor. And that has just followed me throughout my childhood till my adulthood. But in the process of uh, owning that, it's been hard. Um, you know, I, I lived uh, with two older brothers. I had a dad who was always in the front making people laugh and, and leading them in different ways. And so there was, in my, in my books, it felt like almost too much to try to uh, follow the lead of two older brothers and a dad who was doing these unique and uh, influential things in people's lives. Like, but, what was he doing? Well, from a young age, you know, he was always leading in some capacity, whether that was like the youth or up front on a Sunday service, his business. Uh, he, he was a local business owner here in Fort Wayne for 35 years. He owned a business uh, mortgage, mortgage company. Uh, but beyond that, he was the president of the Association of the State of Indiana. So we were going to conferences and seeing him continuously always being in front of maybe thousands of people, yeah. um, if not, you know, 100 or 200, you know, always in front and not having a thought about um, if this is um, going to be challenging. It just isn't just his nature. And, and I never saw him playing for it either. Like he just was one of those guys that showed up and, man, he impacted people in that moment. So um, with that, you know, I... Uh, I had insecurity about it. You know, like I always knew that I, I loved having spontaneous moments of pe making people laugh or inspiring, but the idea of owning my voice, like on this platform where people who I don't know are looking or listening used to scare the blank out of me. <laughs> and it still does, honestly. Like, you know, I, I would feel more comfortable walking on a stage in front of hundreds of people than uh, maybe sitting here not knowing what people are thinking or listening on the other side. So... 
<laughs> it's it's funny because you say that kind of scares you, but that's what you do. Like you speak to people and you mentor and you coach and all that. So right. what made you make like take take a leap of faith and just start doing it? Yeah, you know, I have um I would say from a young age know that I've heard God's voice and I've always felt his closeness and I've always felt the wind on specific things and specifically around people, whether it was one-on-one or in groups, I just always felt just his presence, always felt just like, yes, this is where you're supposed to be. And I've been patient with it because I have, uh, for the 20 years, the last 20 years, I'm 41, so 21 years now. You're 41? I thought you were like 27. You know, it looks like that. (laughs) Uh, I'm like an age fine wine. Um, But uh, the last 21 years, I have been clear that this is a pathway. And I've served in different ways, whether small business or youth ministry, um, you know, there's been aspects of just, you know, childcare, just, I've always wanted to be in a space to learn, honestly, mm-hmm. to serve and to learn. And over the years, um, my wife and I in particular have always felt called to offer ourselves in, in beautiful ways to, to have greater influence. And we've been patient, like we have waited and stewarded our time. And we've never felt like more than ever than this time that we were called to step into a place of actually owning our voice, owning our story, allowing people in uh, over not just our life, but also the generations before. Uh, Because I deeply believe God faithfully puts our families in for a reason. It's not just my story, but it's my grandparents' stories. It's their grandparents' stories. And that there's something that when we offer that, that it opens up something bigger than just us. Mm -hmm. And, And so... Um, over the last 21 years, you know, I've, I've waited and I've been patient and uh, learning, going to courses, taking different uh, education classes. Um, and, and just really when, when COVID happened and I went through shingles, as we talked about last time in my eye and then past kidney stones, we ended up having to have a company wide layoff. It was honestly just a, a moment of like clarity where I loved what I was doing. I loved the people who I was doing it with, but I never felt as if it was a forever thing. And I was always just kind of waiting for uh, somebody to do something. And it took those unfortunate but fortunate circumstances to shake me and to realize, man, I'm created for so much more than just this moment. And I want to start putting my ducks in order to be able to make a way so that I can start offering myself in a way that I see myself already. Um, And so it was a year last May that I officially uh, left the company that I was working for. And uh, it was bittersweet because they're like family, mm-hmm. um, but it was also a launching pad of really trusting and believing in myself and believing what God spoke to me years ago and not just, you know, talking about it because I could talk about it for years about this great inspirational thing or what I feel called to with comedy or all these other things to get people hyped up. But the reality was that I wasn't making the steps in the day to actually move towards that. Mm. And it came to a point where God was like, okay. Let me help you a little bit. Now, I'm not saying he gave me shingles. I'm not saying that he gave me kidney stones. I, I Actually, I personally believe we're responsible for our temple, our body, and there's things, choices that we make that can impact that. But at the same time, there's grace that covers it too. And so uh, ultimately, his providence won the process. I, I can relate. I know uh, I've had God want me to go in certain directions and I've been stubborn and he will, <laughs> yeah. he, he will kind of scoot you that way. Right. And a lot of the time this, it's not pleasant, but that's mm-hmm. our fault. It was my fault. It wasn't pleasant, but in all the unpleasantries that I had to go through because of my uh, disobedience, he pruned me and mm. actually used that 
use those those circumstances to make me better for today for other people. Yes. So um, your story is wild though. Like I like. I feel like I have my own testimony, but it doesn't hold a candle to yours. <laughs> no, no. So, so do you kind of want to just like touch briefly or even dive into it and tell me, tell us about what exactly happened? Because I've heard your story and the first time you told me, like, I remember we were on a Zoom, like crying together, <laughs> <laughs> two yeah. grown men crying on right? Zoom yeah. because of your story. And it was just like, it was touching. Like it was crazy. So mm. you want to kind of. Go into that a bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, before getting into what we talked about on the last podcast, I think it actually even it starts way before that. But what I really remember kind of waking up to, like, um, just the the hard, like, I'm trying not to curse because honestly, I think sometimes language, like the pain is real. Mm-hmm. And I think we're all, if we're vulnerable, there's moments where you're in your bedroom by yourself. And you're wondering, God, do you care? Yeah. And it feels really lonely. And there's and words can almost only describe that pain. And so uh, that first time of really feeling that and embracing that was when I was diagnosed with bone cancer. And my wife and I, we were, I think, less than a year married. She just moved from Charlotte, North Carolina, doing Teach for America, where she loved the job. She loved what she was doing. Uh, but she trusted that I felt God was leading us to be up where we were living. Mm-hmm. And we were part of a small company, and we were failing. We successfully failed. We, <laughs> we uh, ended up partnering with another company. But in the midst of that, um, I had to give up my salary completely uh, and trusting that we could get through uh, and just keep the company running. In the midst of that, that's when I got diagnosed with bone cancer. And that was a moment of being like, God, do you really care? And this doesn't make sense because at the time as well, I was on staff at a local church and and this was a church that I I still believe that God heals today. I believe that uh, miracles are real. And, and, uh, but this was a a community to where we saw healings. Like we legitimately saw healings that are like mind blowing that like doctor approved, like, yes, you had this tumor. It's no longer here anymore. Mm. And so coming to this community and believing and seeing it and then hearing that I'm diagnosed with a bone cancer and then not having it healed in the way that I thought was devastating. And I just remember being just depressed. The doctor said, ultimately, like, listen, it's growing. We need to cut it out immediately. My hope is it's only stage one, which means that it won't grow past what we get out, but we have to schedule surgery. So I had a month before surgery. And that month, I was just literally uh, weeping and praying all the time. So confused because it didn't make sense. Right? In the order of things, I'm like, here, I gave my life. I moved from Indiana out to Philadelphia. And um, and the company's failing. I don't have an income coming in right now. My wife's working for a non-for-profit helping victims of crime. So she was making like peanuts. And we're living in per capita the top 10 most expensive places to live. Now, God faithfully had provided a house for us that we're paying $500 a month. That really it should have cost about $3,000 a month. But we had favor with this family that we didn't know. They said, hey, we need 1800 plus utilities, so it's going to be around three grand. I said, well, we can afford 500 They said, okay. Wow, <laughs> that's a God thing. Right? <laughs> yeah, so I felt I, like I could see these things, but in the practical sense of my body, I, I felt like I kept hitting this wall of like not, not really um, feeling like God was with me mm. because it didn't make sense of having to go through something so painful. And going through that, thankfully, it was stage one, where they cut it out. It was close to my heart. I had some complications afterwards, but uh, the truth and the gift is that I'm cancer-free, and I've been cancer-free since then. 
but that story hooked on to 2020, right, where we all went through a unique, challenging year, and maybe some of us still working through, um, just added to the pain because, you know, um, our company was solely providing products for schools, and instantly they're gone. And so I'm sitting here thinking, am I going to have a paycheck? And at the same time, I started stepping out toward putting my foot in front of me to start stepping out and put myself in ways of like offering myself where I felt like with comedy and like serving and leading. And right in the moment of doing that, I end up getting shingles in my eye. Now, uh, unfortunately, um, it wasn't just in the eye. It was in my ear and it was in my throat. So uh, imagine the worst pain you can feel and like times that by 10 because the pain never left. It was a constant like every moment, knowing and feeling like just raw, horrible pain. And in the midst of that, what was even more traumatic was the mental anguish that you go through in something like that. Because what, when, when you have shingles in your eye, you can't be around any light or any sound. Now, I had three children at the time that were all under the age of six, and my wife was pregnant with our fourth and here's something that I feel called and created to serve in and being a father and helping. And here I'm not knowing if our company's going to make it. And now I'm in my bedroom by myself with all the blinds closed, which that lasted for a week because even that was too extreme with light coming in just through the, the window shades. I had to go down to the basement. So for 40 days, I was basically blind in a basement by myself, just in complete pain. My wife being that it was um, a disease to where she could have gotten it and it could have gone into our child, she couldn't be around me. She couldn't be affectionate with me. My children couldn't be affectionate with me because they didn't at that time, they didn't have um, the, the vaccine for um, chickenpox. And so literally all my people can't touch me and I literally can't physically be around them because the pain is like a knife in the eye every time hearing any kind of loud noise where kids, they're just being kids. And I just was at a loss. You know, I was completely at uh, the bottom barrel of just pain. And most nights were me looking up at God <laughs> with two middle fingers up, to be quite frank. Yeah. And um, it, I wouldn't say it sounds embarrassing saying that, but that's just, it's, it's, it's hard to say that because I know his nature. I know that that there's things I don't see, but in the middle of your pain, it's hard to see that. It's, it's hard to see past your own pain. Um, and so it continued on in regards to, you know, uh, as I'm healing from shingles, the doctor misdiagnosed me and ended up giving me a steroid that spread the shingles in my eye instead of healing my eye. So 40 days turned into 60 days, and, and six days turned into four months, and it was just never ending. In the midst of that, I got to have kidney stones to pass as well. <laughs> and at that point, I remember going to the hospital with my wife, and I've got like a blindfold over my eyes because I can't like be around light. I've got the worst pain in, you know, let's say, you know, the, um, the baby making places. And I'm just like, I literally just started laughing because what are you going to do? Right? Like yeah. literally feeling like this is uh, Job in, in, in the present day moment. And uh, so for those of pe for, for the people that don't know who Job is, you want to just explain what happened to Job real quick? Yeah, just I mean, practically lost his whole family. All his resources were taken. There's just destruction after destruction after destruction. And then not, not only that, then his people coming to him and telling him, hey, buddy, what'd you do wrong? 
like all his people basically saying, like, you, clearly you did something wrong to, to deserve this. And that's what I felt like. And, you know, after passing the kidney stone, I'm like, all right, finally, like I have some reprieve. And the day before our, uh, our son, Jonathan, was born, um, we ended up having a company-wide layoff. <laughs> and so at this time, I'm the sole provider for our family. My wife and I, we, we thoughtfully wanted her to uh, sew into our family and work full-time there. And we were feeling called for her to step out here at a recent time. Like, we were feeling like it was coming close. But at that time, I still was the sole provider. We had no other resources coming in. And at that point, like, I've heard that um, hard things happen in threes. So at some level, even though it was a horrible feeling that, like, you know, the company that I love can't provide to continue to move forward, that we have to lay everybody off. Uh, at the same time, I felt like, okay, like there's something else on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that, that's, that's my son, Jonathan. Jonathan David is his name. And I named him that because God has gifted me with my first prayer that I really remember in him like meeting me in. And that was God put men in my life that truly know you. That's how I met you. That's how I met, I can list off 10 to 20 to 30 other men that God brought in my life at the right time at the right season. And I wanted his name to mark this remembrance that God always provides the right relationships at the right time to help you move through something or to grow in some way or to be supported in some way or to be served. And uh, that's what we experience. We experience people come around us in many different ways and uh, family and people that we didn't know that just were sending money in the mail. Um, so, yeah. So what did you learn in the basement? Oh, man. Whew. So there was a reason why you were there. Mm. I know you got something out mm-hmm. of it. I have to pause because... <clears throat> That basement, to me, was, I, I just need to say, like, language doesn't define me, but, like, hard shit creates perseverance. Mm-hmm. And it creates something that you didn't know have, that you had inside of you to step to the plate. And ultimately, uh, this is my belief. I know God is real. I've experienced his faithfulness in so many different ways. I can't list them off in one moment. But the reality is that I can't see him right now. I can feel him, but I can't feel and I mean, I can't see him and, 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 and actually know that um, he's moving this. It, I believe it comes down to us making the choice in our life of taking ownership and taking responsibility. And for so long, I know from my story, I, I uh, pushed off my responsibilities to my wife. I pushed them off to the company I worked for in some ways. I didn't actually fully give myself and devote completely every part of who I was in belief that I could do it. And I personally believe that God's faithfulness in that process was allowing me to experience such pain and loneliness that I couldn't rely on anybody else, that I had to trust myself and I had to be reminded that he made me in his image and he lives inside of me, that I have literally everything inside of me to heal everything outside of me. That, that he made a way for that, but it takes ownership for me to actually live that. That's 
powerful. <laughs> <laughs> that is so powerful. Oh man, gosh, that story is wild. Um, I think <clears throat> even for me recently, um, understanding what God built me to do and having the confidence to do it mm. have been two things I've struggled with. Mm. I know God made me to do these certain things, mm-hmm. but I've actually, for the longest time, been avoiding them because I don't want to do those things <laughs> because I don't think I can do those things, right? <laughs> right? And I know I've done some pretty cool things so far, yeah. but I, it's just the enemy, right? Like mm. the enemy doesn't want you to think you're worthy or you're capable or you can do all the things that God designed you to do. And thankfully, my basement wasn't as bad as yours. <laughs> but there have been moments in my life where, like, you just know, like, God is talking to you and mm. he is there with you. And he's reminding you that he put this thing inside of you. you. You've accepted the Holy Spirit and now you can do all the things that he designed you to do. Right. right? But you have to believe it. Yes. Like, people ask me all the time, well, how, how come you're always so confident about doing things? And how come you don't worry and this and that? I'm like what's the point of worrying? Like, why wouldn't I be confident? This is why God made me. If if this is God's plan, it's going to work out. So I'm not going to sweat it. I'm going to do all I can and let him do everything else because I've gone through those difficult times where I had to rely on him and I had to remember his promises to me. Mm. And once you remember these promises, then it's a wrap. Yes. It's a wrap. Yeah. I I love that. You know, one of the things too that I, I, I think like, I'm so thankful for how God's nearness like i love the scripture that says that he never leaves us nor forsakes us and honestly that's probably equally the message that i got in the basement that in my arrogance right of throwing up the double deuce bird and being angry and cussing out god and and by myself you know that that his faithfulness was willing to stay with me in that that he wasn't ashamed of me right Mm -hmm. like like he was willing to allow my ignorance and my arrogance that i like that I have control, right, of this moment, right? Like, yes, there's there's a partnership that I need to step into, but also, like, he is so kind. I love that his kindness leads us to repentance is another scripture that I love. That, like, and, and repentance is renewing our minds. That that word actually means going back to the penthouse, like being, going back to the place where God resides. That, like, his kindness allowed us to get back to a space of seeing how he sees things. Like, I remember vividly during this time, one of my friends who was a doctor, and unfortunately, uh, his sister, who was one of the most influential women in my life, died of cancer. Mm-hmm. And um, I was the first time I had stepped out of my house because the clouds were covering the sun. And I remember walking across the street just talking to him, and he was like, Nate, he said, you know how much I love my sister and how impactful she was to me and, and to the world. But he said, I can tell you how many times I've sat across from one of my patients and I got to talk about the goodness of God and that he meets us in our pain. He meets us in all these stories. And like, yes, I would, I would take my sister back, no question. But I know God's faithfulness is doing something deeper than I realized. And if it wasn't for this deep grief that I had to go through, I wouldn't be able to sit with the woman I sat with yesterday who just lost her husband. And that she just broke her ankle and she's going through a surgery. And she can't walk now. She doesn't have her husband to walk with her to help her at all. Right? Like I get to sit with her and cry with her to really know what it is to weep with people, those that weep. Right? It's, I know for so long I could rejoice with those who could rejoice, but weeping and knowing how to get in people's space of being in their grief, that's a whole nother story. Like we get uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. And that's another place in the basement. Like I had to get really comfortable with my grief 
had to get really comfortable that like, I, I'm not just turning this on and off. Like I have to own that I'm in pain, not just physically, but emotionally. And that was a pathway where God met me. That was an intersection that I got to see in my arrogance. He was faithful in my inability to see that there's more than this moment. He met me. And now I get to look back on this time where for so long it was bitterness and anger. It's turned into gratefulness and depth. And that I get to share this story, not out of a place of like, look at me, but look at God's faithfulness. Like I had to, I had to show up and, and, and own in some story. But the reality is I didn't know the end result. Right? I didn't know how this was going to form me to know how to be with people and open up men's hearts so that they can show their sadness, that they can offer their stories. Right. Because I know for me, being a man and knowing that um, when sadness would come up in my nature in the past, I would stuff it because I don't want nobody to see that weakness. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't be soft. You can't be <laughs> soft. Right. Especially if I have two older brothers. Right. Yeah. You know, and then playing sports and all these things. Right. Like this bravado that it, it is not it's not it's, it doesn't create service to the greater good. It creates ego that that blocks people from actually knowing like the beauty of being human and, and where we get to ask for help. And that's the other thing. Like we had to ask for help. We didn't want to ask for help. We had to ask for help. I hate asking for help. Right? <laughs> I hate it. Right? <laughs> but I know I have to do it sometimes and I can't stand it. It drives me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, isn't it funny how as like God fearing Christians, we can still be arrogant. Like we know there's a God out there mm-hmm. yet. We're still arrogant. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's human nature, right? Uh, it doesn't matter. Nature. It doesn't matter what side you stand on. Like we all have that place of, um, yeah, wanting our way. Yeah. You yeah. know, <laughs> that's crazy. All right. So let's talk about the hat. You got a hat sitting over there on, yeah. the, on the, on the table. Yeah. What's that all about? Yeah. So uh, I have two hats. This one is my, uh, I, I say my father's blessing hat. My other hat, um, we talked reference before was about uh, a former drug lord uh, that gave up that life and, and surrendered over to, uh, to the divine and seeing God meet him where he was at. Um, and he gave me that hat. Where did he give you the hat? Uh, this was at a, 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 down in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend paid for me when I went through, uh, after the, the shingles and the kidney stones, my friend said, listen, I want to pay for you to come down for this weekend retreat. And it was nothing like a retreat. It was something that I had never experienced before. It was this deep, layered healing journey that I went on. And there was a group of people that I had never, I had never met except for like one other person and, and the leader that paid for me to go. And actually, the ironic thing, I'm not going to name names, but I prayed. I, I, was, I drove. It was the first time I had uh, drove my car in what I think at that time it was six months. And I drove. I got down to Indianapolis, and I pulled to the side, and I'm like, what the heck am I doing? Like, like, one, it was really hard to drive. And then two, it's like, this is crazy. Like, I'm, like I have no clue what I'm walking into. And I said, God, I need to know you're with me. And I said, I want to see this specific person. This was uh, a person that's in the comedy world. And this is something I felt called and created to start offering myself as. And sure enough, as I pulled into this property, the very person that I identified, who I had not seen for three years prior, uh, got out of their car right when I got out of my car. <laughs> And I just was like, okay, I'm where I need to be, right? And then God even made it even further. I walk into this this house, and this gentleman comes in who I'd never met before, and he sits across from me, and he's wearing an Indiana University hoodie, and that's my alma mater. And it's actually the exact hoodie I've been asking my in-laws for 
you know, 15 years to buy me. I still don't own. <laughs> and, I, and I said, oh, man, I said, are you? I said, did you, did you go to school there? Are you from Indiana? He goes, no. He said, actually, I came in from L.A. for this. He said, uh, but my grandparents were pastors in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Have you heard of it? And I said, well, actually, yeah, I just drove from Fort Wayne to here. <laughs> and so uh, that's where I met this gentleman. Uh, he was um, European, and his story was radical, radical. And so uh, I had this moment where I, like, literally the pain that I had in my eye for the shingles for six months completely left. The story of it and the pain itself. Now, I wasn't 100% healed, but where I was feeling, it went from, like, 100% pain down to 20%. And the story that I kept telling myself that God doesn't care, that, like, I'm going to live this the, waste, the rest of my life, I'm going to wake up and feel, like, the... Uh, the nerve pain in my body, like completely left. And it had this beautiful moment where like I opened my eyes and he put this hat on me. And I wear that hat to remind myself that I can do hard things. I wear often parenting. <laughs> <laughs> so my kids know that hat. It's like, oh, daddy needs a little help right now. Yeah. I'm reminded that God's with me. And now this hat that I have here uh, is actually my, my dad's old hat. And um, he saw me wearing that all the time and he wanted to know the story. And he said, well, I want to give you a hat to remember the Father's blessing on your life. And, and so this hat, to me, signifies um, my, my heavenly Father and my earthly Father's blessing on my life, that he's given me, my dad has given me so much opportunity in my life because even today, like, you know, we're still making men's eat, you know, men, ends meet right now as we step out in faith with uh, where my wife and I are with partnership and doing these new things. And today, uh, my dad hand my wife a check and he paid for the semester of my, my youngest son's uh, first year of school. Right? That's awesome. Yeah. School ain't cheap. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and I didn't ask for it. And he knows me well enough to where it's not that I couldn't receive it, but he's like, he knew that like uh, it would hit different having my wife open it. Mm-hmm. And that just that's just him. He knows that. Like he knows my heart and he wants, he wants uh, me to feel that he's not undermining me, but he's honestly just being a father who wants to bless his children. Yeah. Man, so how many kids do you have? You said four, four kids? Four kids. How old are they? Yeah, so Emma, she is nine. Ruby is seven. Deacon just turned five. Today is his fifth birthday. Happy birthday, Deacon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Johnny's two. He turns uh, three uh, this December. Oh, man, that's cool. We've got to get our kids together one of these days. Yeah. Next time you come to Florida or, or we come up here, we got to get them, get them together. We're in. Yeah. We would love that. So <clears throat> you're big on relationships mm-hmm. and... Um, energies and like just like vibing mm-hmm. with certain types of people like do you remember when we first met and how oh go ahead I'll no. answer the question yeah first. i think it was at a food show was it it was at a food show yeah I believe. yeah and we yeah. were introduced by a, a mutual friend well actually no it wasn't because you came to the offices one day I oh think, yes you were, you were just moving yes I had just moved there yes um but i don't know man like ever since that first interaction was it's super vague to me mm-hmm. but you always were like there, mm. I don't know what it was, but we just like clicked. <laughs> <laughs> we just clicked. Yeah. And then I saw you at a couple of food shows, but still it was always like a really like brief, quick interaction. I think the next time I saw you after that was like a year later and I was throwing a party. It was at ANC in Las Vegas yeah. and I'd booked out the top of this rooftop bar or whatever, having a big networking event or whatever. Yep. And you came by and... People don't know this, but it was a blessing when everybody pitched in to help cover the yes. cost of that party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because somebody ordered one too many drinks that <laughs> night. Um, but you came and you saved the day. Mm. But even still, it was just like a really quick interaction. 
then I would like see you or hear from you like randomly. But then, I mean, it was what a year or two ago when I was launching this company, we really connected. Yeah. And it's just funny how God puts certain people in your life and it's maybe not always like, Hey, like right now you guys are going right. to rock together, but he leaves that in your head or in your heart. And it could be later, like mm. later you two are going to connect and do something. And I firmly believe that you meet people for three reasons, either for you to serve them, um, them to serve you, or if you guys do something cool together. Mm. And I see us doing a lot of cool stuff together because I want to serve you just as much as you want to serve yeah. me. So <laughs> let's just do stuff together. I love that. So, um, what are some of the the newer things that you're working on? Tell me about this website that I should have looked at that I didn't yeah. because I wanted to hear from you first. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, just to preface it, my wife and I, um, first we created a course together for helping families in their postpartum days, right? So it's called Peaceful Postpartum and mm-hmm. it's emotional wellness for postpartum parents. Because as you know, that crazy transition of bringing a child into your house mm-hmm. and all the things that happen in your wife's body, all the things that are happening in your body, right? Like it's actually like you, ha- like it's extremely vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I knew that like seeing this course, I started seeing how many guys were coming to the table. Now the course really is built for the, the moms, but we have a section for men. Uh, and in that process, I just started seeing more and more men coming who are like, man, I, I need help. I, I feel like I, I don't know how to be present with my wife. I, yeah. she, she wants more of me and I don't know how to offer it. She says that I'm cold. She says that I feel like I don't care. And I, that's just not true. Right. And, and I know through my own experience that ultimately it's like, it's, you'd learn it. Like it's behavior that we learn. We're conditioned that way by societal norms. And most likely I have amazing parents, but even them, they didn't know how to like my, my mother, her father had polio when she was three. So a man that was, very um, successful in the world's terms, started his own business, could fly planes, all these things, instantly was in a wheelchair. And so from age three, saw a lot of pain. Not only that, he had cancer too at the same time, diagnosed with polio and cancer the same day. And so she talked about like this story of just seeing her father never complain about it. Like, and it is very admirable. I say this, it's very admirable to me. Like, I still feel like goosebumps thinking about his, like his strength, but at the same time, I got to know that there was some part of him that wishes that he could have broken down a little bit and show how painful it was. Because she always said, I only heard him complain one time over the many years. Now, that's beautiful. But what that, what that message creates is that, that uh, it's, you're not safe to share your feelings. And my mom, she's amazing. But ever since I was a little kid, like she'd always say, like, if something hard happened, oh, somebody else has got it worse. And yeah, that's true. But right now as a three-year-old boy, I just need a mom to hold me. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, I know that there's so many stories of men who feel that way. And so I, I have felt led to, to create resources for men to know how to get into their body. I think so many of us men and women are disembodied because of stories in their life that told them they weren't safe. And uh, I began to notice that story. So for me, I didn't notice this until really till I got married. And um, my wife, uh, being a therapist, she's really good at reading people. And she recognized that like I had these little ticks that when I was single, it didn't bother anybody. But when you, <laughs> when you get married, everything affects everything. <laughs> yeah. and, and she's like, yo, like, why are you freaking out at the park? Like, why are you losing your mind at our kids about like how they can't pick up sticks? Like, this seems crazy. And I'm like, I don't, I'm doing that. She's like, yeah. Like you're like going like Mach 10 on intensity. Anytime we're at public parks or we're at pools. Well, I didn't realize 
It didn't happen until actually 2020. And honestly, this is why I believe some way I got shingles was I started facing the stories of my pain. And at age three, I witnessed a boy drowned and it was traumatizing. And I still vividly remember that time. It was after a massive rain and kids were swimming in this little pond that was self-made by the rain. And I was with my mom and my brothers. And instantly these boys, they were farther enough out, they started screaming for help. Well, the boy, he didn't know he stepped in a ravine. If he went to the left or the right, he would have been out of it. And my mom, unfortunately, she was, she was at a loss. She was stuck because if she goes into the water, me at the time as a three-year-old boy is going in that water too. Mm-hmm. So she had to make a choice. Go and try to save this boy with the, the chance that my son who can't swim goes in the water. So she ran to the next closest house because we didn't have cell phones then yeah. to go tell, call the police. And it was terrifying. Now, I was terrified of water my whole life, but I never really knew that mm. until finally I had this moment where this friend who paid for me to go down to this, uh, uh, this weekend experience, uh, that he helped me start becoming aware of these stories that shaped me. And so that fear of a three-year-old boy was still with me. And it came out when I became a parent and my wife could see it. And she's like, listen, like, it's painful to go through public places because like you shut down. And like, generally speaking, it's just not like, it's not fun being around you. And like that killed me. And so I started reflecting on like, wow, okay. So I found that that research shows from zero to seven, this is where we define our emotional self, what's safe to express and what's unsafe to express. Now, the beautiful thing is we can change that. And that's what I'm working. That's what I, that's where I'm putting my heart and my intention into is that I've created an online course called the decisive man, mm-hmm. awakening men's clarity. Because once we're able to get into our body and know that our emotions were given to us by God as to be lightning rods to the divine, to experience life at its maximum. Because the reality is, if you don't know how to experience your full grief, your pain, to go to the basement, per se, and feel it and express it, you don't know what the full joy, the opposite, the polarity of that is. Yeah. Because when we know and we experience that depth of pain and raw emotion, right, the pain and knowing the story and contextualize it, feel it, embrace it, like it is, it's, 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 it's I'm speechless. It's, it's, words can't express it. It's, it's freaking hard. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's so beautiful because that's where God meets us. Mm. This is where we meet a creator that cares about every aspect of our life. And he wants us to express our feelings in a way that is healthy and functional, no longer dumping our pain, no longer being the crazy man at a park and freaking out on his kids and everybody else's kids and thinking like, what's wrong with that guy? Pick up that stick. (laughs) Put that stick down. (laughs) (laughs) And so that, that then eclipses us to when the joy comes, right? Like it is so much more beautiful and profound. And so this course, it takes men on a journey a four-week journey of infancy getting into a space of being able to reflect on our stories, what we're coming with. Because most of us, you know, we don't, like, we don't realize what's subconsciously happening and how we show up in our world. Mm-hmm. And so when we reflect on seeing that and then be kind to ourselves, and, and observe it instead of judging it, because ultimately that's what I did forever. I judged myself that I wasn't strong enough. And so this course takes men on a journey of four weeks of getting to a space to where they, they can finally embrace this aspect of themselves. And what happens is you realize it gives you this secret power of being human. And people, we are drawn to people who are real. 
we're drawn by people that are willing to show those softer edges, right? And so I'm helping men to, to, to graft and sharpen their edge so that they can offer themselves in whatever context they feel most deeply called to. And it is awesome, actually. I, I was doing one-on-one coaching, and we're, I was taking them through this process, and I, th- I, I need to impact more men. I need to create opportunity for people to go through this at any time. So I just launched this, this round. Actually, last night was my first call uh, with eight guys. And, oh, man, it was just amazing. Them showing up, being real, and being honest. And so it's a practice of embodiment. There's some different things like we did before we started, yeah. right, of getting present. Mm-hmm. And that's the art of life. The people who are present, they're the people that really actually are alive. Yeah. I love what you're doing. Um, I feel like in the past, men had to be, like you said, masculine. Mm-hmm. Like it's all about like masculinity and this right. and that, rah, right? Yep. But now I feel like in culture and society, they want the complete opposite. <laughs> yeah, like it right. is wildly opposite of, you know, back in the 80s mm-hmm. or the 90s, right? Yeah. But what you're talking about is like, real masculinity like there's both sides like you're a man god made you to be a man but yeah you have feelings too he's got to learn how to manage and handle them yes right handle handle emotions because he gave you them for a reason like Mm -hmm. jesus got angry he flipped a table (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) right right you can still be masculine yes and i think i feel like and i'm not saying that you need to be masculine to be a leader but i mean it's masculinity could be used for good things like Mm -hmm. men were Men can be leaders. Women can be leaders too. But I mean, typically it's the guy leading the household, that sort of thing, right? But in you're teaching us how to do it better. Mm. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things too. Like, I, that's why I love uh, how God's made man and woman, right? Like, like actually we have, whether you realize or not, we have estrogen in our bodies mm-hmm. as men. Yeah. And so, uh, and women have mass, uh, have uh, testosterone in their bodies. Yep. And so uh, you can see it can, it can get to a point to where, um, if it's not healthily functional, it can look and, and, and be expressed in ways that aren't healthy mm-hmm. and, and dysfunctional. And so, uh, yeah, my, my wife, she has modeled that, that gift of knowing how to partner in a way that has the edges of both, right? And, and, and you can see that, like, and, and CEOs that are women that, like, they, they have to, generally speaking, have to go into a masculine energy because that's how our world yeah. operates, right? Yep. Now, I believe it's actually shifting. Now, we always go from one extreme to the next, and the, the hope is that it comes into a balance, right? And like that, that we can have a balance where uh, women can have more opportunities to lead and, and, and have more influence uh, because we desperately need them to have mm-hmm. that, that role. Uh, but yeah, but to be a man and, and own the whole personhood of a man is a man that's willing to lay his life down. Yeah. Who's not afraid of trying something new. Mm-hmm. Like he, he'll meet the fear. Right. That's one of the things I, I, I teach my children is that like, I'm not saying, oh, hey, you, you need to be brave. I say, activate that bravery inside of you, buddy. Like we already have everything. Like, again, going back to scripture, we lack no spiritual blessing from heaven above. We have everything inside of us already to heal everything outside of us. So I'm not saying you need to do this or become that. No, you already own this. This is you get to own it now. Yeah. You get to express it. I get to offer this. Right. So I'm even learning and changing my language around these ways, how I talk about myself. Like, and knowing how to offer what, you know, I know God's created me to, to, to lead in as a man, right? Mm-hmm. And so, 
yeah, it, it, it's, it's really a gift. And the, the humor side is still happening. I still deeply feel called to, I've been performing comedy for the last two years almost. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. yeah. How's that going? It's, I mean, it's a learning opportunity. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that I sounds was, petrifying yeah. to me. I could never do that. <laughs> it, you know, the first day, it was so cool. The first day that I went on stage, this is where, again, remembering like God's providence in my life. The first day, like uh, I get there like an hour before because I knew I needed to like just feel like the energy of the room. I wanted to mm-hmm. like prepare. Uh, and I remember sitting in my chair and like literally my whole body was like shaking out of terror. I was terrified. Literally on the verge of like, so when we first moved back to Indiana, that's like part of the story that I, I guide men through is that like when we moved back to Indiana, uh, there's a book called The Body Keeps the Score. And the, the idea behind that is, is that um, there's only so much that you can put on a face that you're okay to where your body finally says, no, you got yep. some things you need to work out Liar. here. Yeah. <laughs> and so when we moved to Indiana from Philly, uh, I started experiencing panic attacks, which was crazy because I had never like dealt with anxiety mm-hmm. like that before besides going through bone cancer. Um, and it just it took over my life. And that was like the beginning of me to start seeing these pathways of how to actually regulate my body in these simple, practical ways of how I move my body, how I breathe, uh, what I'm focusing on, what I'm giving energy to, what I really believe, right? What are my actions saying beyond what my words are saying? And so that was like the beginning of me starting seeing these, these beautiful ways of starting to show up in my life where I was terrified. And so I'm here on the first night of performing and like, I literally feel like I'm gonna pass out. And I'm like, what am I going to do? I was thinking about, I'm just going to leave, you know, <laughs> like, I, I, I'm not going to do this, you know, and it's like, my man card, I'm out of here. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm out, scratch my name off. And no, but I had this moment of clarity. All of a sudden God took me back. He said, do you remember when you had that panic attack? Do you remember what I taught you about your breath? Like ruah, okay, is the Hebrew meaning of breath, that our breath or the breath of God, that literally when we breathe and I have this vision that I'm breathing all of God's spirit into my body and it's accessing the places that needs support. And so I remember it even right now, uh, might be TMI, but I have no shoes on and no socks on right I now. Noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I got my feet firmly in the ground because there's something about, again, God gave us to be here on this earth. So we're in partnership. Again, creation's groaning and longing for expectation of the sons and daughters to be revealed. So how do we partner with it? So there's simple ways of knowing, like, you know, one of the side note, one of the nights I end up walking up barefoot and doing a bit. Mm-hmm. And people are like, man, that was hilarious. It was even more crazy. You had no shoes on, man. That's crazy. You know, but like I remember that moment like, oh, OK, I know how to get through this. I went through the shingles. I went through the panic attacks. I went through the bone cancer. I have everything I need to know to get through this. So I started doing this breathing exercise. And I, I, you know, like I simply started just kind of moving my hands together, like rubbing my, my fingernails together just to start moving the energy out of the stuck energy of fear out of my body. And so from that moment, boom, it shifted from me being terrified to like, oh, man, I'm built for this. Yeah, got fired up. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> and that night I killed. It was unbelievable. Still, like, you know, it wasn't the best, but it was at that time, clearly the best time yeah. I had ever performed. And it was so cool because afterwards it wasn't just in my head. Like there was literally, I felt like I had an entourage that followed me off the stage that people were like, hey, here's my phone number. I want like, I want to do a podcast with you. And at that time I was like, oh, thank you. Like, you know, I didn't say at the time, but like later reply back, I'm just, I'm, I want to stay hidden. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm so high. Yeah. Like I'm not ready to move into a space of like be known in this way yet. Well, know? it seems like you're ready now. Yeah. You're ready now. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It is, you know, um, being mindful how I go about it is yeah. important to me with the ages of my kids and making sure mm-hmm. that I'm not like, 
partitioning uh, my responsibilities of, of, of showing up in the home. But I really believe God's faithfulness. Like that's one friend said, like, you know, if you do this with comedy, like, dude, you're going to be gone all the time. Like, who says? Like, yeah, that's how the industry is. But like, yeah. if I really believe that God's called me to this and in my heart, I want to be a present dad, not just by my money or just by like, you know, text or those, all those things are beautiful, but I want to be in their life. And so I'm believing that God can make a way that I can show up more and more in these ways of making people laugh because ultimately I know and believe that humor is the great equalizer. Yeah. It allows us to neutralize our belief systems and allows us to open our heart. And ultimately that's my desire is that like I would be able to help people open their heart and see the humanity to where God can meet us and see the beauty of a partnership that I believe he created long before that moment they received or believed that like he was already offering these beautiful supernatural ways of meeting them where they're at. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's difficult to be present mm. being a father that's on the grind and hungry and wanting to, you know, build success, right. Be, and build generational wealth for their families and those sorts of things. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I remember when I left my school district to go work in the sales job on the industry side, I was talking to my, my current boss and mentor at the time. And I was like, why does God want me to do this? Like, how is this going to further his kingdom? Mm. And he was like, man, like right now you're just in Pasco, but you take this job, like you can be the example and talk to people throughout the country about your faith. And I was like, mm. oh, wow. I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to go accept this job. Yes. And then, um, but me being human, when I accepted this job, I took it too far. Like I was always on the road mm. and not just because I'm a hard worker because mm-hmm. I wanted to be the best and outsell everybody else on my team and other companies <laughs> and all that. But it was like my first sense of freedom that I guess I never really had growing up, like mm. in, whether in high school or college. Cause I mean, my, my parents are immigrants, right? So it was like school sports, <laughs> win, win success. <laughs> like there, there is no failure, no, no time for partying. Um, and that's what I got a chance to do whenever I got this freedom. And, uh, I'll never forget, like, my youngest son, Jackson, I would come home, and he wouldn't even, like, he would recognize me, Mm. but he wanted nothing to do with Mm. me. Mm. And at this time, he was probably, like, two or three. And it's not like he didn't like me, but it's just mommy was there, right? So he was this other guy that's here, you know, a couple days out of the week, whatever. Um, So mom got all the attention. And it kind of got to me after a while, and that's when God was like, look, dude, slow your roll. <laughs> You're taking this way too far. Um, and it took years for me to build that relationship back with my son. It's embarrassing mm. saying it, but I'm sure it's a, it's something that a lot of men go through. And now I'm just glad I, I'm just glad I was blessed with the ability to recognize my faults and have a really, really patient, amazing wife <laughs> that yeah. supported me the whole time yeah. and didn't, didn't kill me. Mm. Um, but it's like now it's like, I don't want to go anywhere. Like I just want to be home. Like, yeah. Like I still like to travel, but it's difficult sometimes more often than not to have to leave. Like I just right. want to be home with the family. And I, I joke at my wife all the time. Cause you're talking about like masculinity and women. Well, this is, that's my wife, right? <laughs> like, she's the boss. <laughs> I know that's like, she's I got the, one at home too. Yeah, she's the boss <laughs> yeah. and I love it, but yeah. I, I can't wait for her to be the one that's traveling. So I can yes. stay home and like cook and clean and do all that stuff <laughs> with the kids and hang out and, and take them to after school events and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's difficult finding that balance. But like now I'm to the point to where, okay, like I'm the face of the company. 
I'm going to accept this because that's who God made me to be. Mm-hmm. I need, to, but I need to be a better steward of my time and my team and like everything, right? Mm-hmm. And when I travel, my wife always says, like, whenever I leave, she's like, make it worth it. Mm. Just like this trip, like mm-hmm. this trip is no joke. Like I came here, I I got up super early to catch the first first or second flight out to get to Indianapolis just to rent a car to drive to Fort Wayne to do two podcasts and then to drive all the way to Milwaukee tonight to be available for another podcast tomorrow morning so I could be there the following day to meet with the client and then to do a podcast the following day to fly to Milwaukee on Friday. (laughs) It's wild. But you know what? I'm going to make it worth it. That's right. It is going to be worth every minute of me being away from my family because... That's why God built me. Mm. That's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and also I'm I'm a I'm a guy and I'm super competitive and it's just like how crazy that all sounds mm-hmm. makes it more motivating for me because I'm gonna say it again I haven't gone through suffering like you but the little bit I've gone through I use it as fuel mm. and it almost like thickens your skin yeah. I guess you could say and it's like. The, the suck, you embrace it and you make it worth it and you use it as fuel. So I'm just fired up. Yes. Like, I can't wait to, to finish out this week. It's going to be awesome. So I love that. Yeah. And we need that. That's the thing. That's what it is, you know, like it's not just one person, their story, like the story of us all and how that forms. Like literally, you are what I need. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I need to be able to tap into that edge for myself to yeah. remember that. Like because I, I, I can fall into uh, passivity really easily. And so when I see somebody who's willing, who's hungry and willing to do the hard work, right, that inspires me to know that there's another, another, another space that I can inhabit to actually embrace what I'm created to serve and lead in, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, man, it is truly a joy to witness uh, the, the evolution of meeting you at that office and your beautiful wife. And you literally, I think, just pulled in. Like literally <laughs> the day, yeah, you just <laughs> literally pulled in and moving to South Carolina, if I remember right. Yeah. Uh, and you know, to where we are now, mm-hmm. right? And like, uh, you know, getting to run alongside each other and, and like champion one another, right? And like, and that's what I loved about Jonathan David and their relationship is that the, it, it was this camaraderie, but also it was like this, like, hey man, I'm going to push you because yeah. I'm going hard, Yeah, right? You better step your game up. You better yeah. go hard too. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I actually, people who may not be able to see this, but like you have the orange uh, cord and I have the blue and I, I see things with colors and I, I thought I knew Marlon's going to bring the fire <laughs> and I'm going to bring the revelation. Yeah. Like the blue like signifies revelation and orange is the fire, right? And so, uh, and you do that, man, your energy, your fire and your willingness to like go hard is something that inspires me and it reminds me that there is something different that I know I can step into because Marlon's doing it too. So. Yeah. If Thank I you. can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> but I mean, that means a lot. Um, hearing that from you, uh, truly, truly means a lot. And it's because we got this arc reactor, I like to call it, mm. in our hearts called the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So we can do anything. Yes. And it just hit me. I was like, how wild would it be if we met in North Augusta, South Carolina, all those years ago, just for this moment? Right. Yeah. <laughs> because that could be the reason. Yes. It literally could be the reason. Yeah. No um, doubt. Yeah, I, it is so true. Like, I, I've been reflecting that in my relationships, you know, with my wife just saying that, like, you know, in this season, it feels different, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Who knows what the future holds with those relationships? Like, and honoring and where they're at and knowing ultimately, like, you know, if, if I was like, oh, man, like, I, I was hoping that, like, you know, we would have 
ran side by side during that season, which, you know, I had that opportunity, but I wasn't feeling called to at that time. Yeah. You know, now in this, in this season, man, it's, it's a joy to witness, you know, uh, how God works all things for the good of those that love him. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Thinking about your season and what you learned being in the basement mm-hmm. and you said that was pretty much to remember that God is with you. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> my, uh, I would probably say like the apex of my season was one day and uh, talk about spiritual warfare, man. It was wild, mm. like wild. And that's a story for another podcast. <laughs> but when I, when I asked God and I was like, why am I going through this? Like, why are you letting this happen to me? I know what's happening and you're letting it mm. continue to happen. Right. You know what he told me? Mm. So you'll never forget. And he never wanted me to forget how badly the enemy didn't want me to do what he had told me to go, what God had told me to go do. Mm. He wanted, the enemy wanted to stop wow. me. And God was like, so you never forget. This is how bad he doesn't want you to have it. Mm. And whenever, whenever bad things happen or challenges happen that I'm going to overcome through my Lord Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. that's just a reminder that someone else doesn't want me to, to do what I'm supposed to be doing or what I'm doing right now. So let mm. me use that as fuel Love and that. keep moving forward. Yeah, that's yeah. so good. I love that. Yeah. I, I want to add one one other thing. That, as I heard you say that, it reminded me of uh, a story. So um, this summer, I got to go uh, and um, sit with different indigenous tribes in another country. Oh, cool. And to me, an owl signifies wisdom. And I think about God's wisdom and how it's endless, right? Like there's just this profound wisdom that God's spirit gives us that we have. And then this buffalo, this is a buffalo tooth. Right here, that they made a trade with another tribe. Uh, one of the things I love, I want to learn from other people. You know, I, I often want to share my story and about how God's met me, but also I think there's something powerful sometimes just to sit with people with not the idea that I need to change them, that I just want to learn and grow. And, and, and so uh, they shared about this story of how they got it from this other tribe. And to the buffalo, if you've not heard this story before, when there is a storm in life, in real life, when there's a storm, uh, the cow, for instance, will run away from the storm, and the storm will chase them. And it's always like this idea of their, their fear is always chasing them, and they're never facing it. Where the buffalo, when the storm hits, they see the storm, and they run towards it. They face the challenge, and they run towards it. They run through it because they know the quicker they get through it, yeah, there's something on the other side. Yeah, And the idea that this, I wear this in remembrance, that I'm going to face the hard things mm-hmm. I'm going to face. I'm going to run towards it because the majority of my life before that basement, truly, even with, with bone cancer was I was running away from the storm. I was constantly in fear. Mm. When is the next unfortunate thing happened to me? Because I didn't go into more, but there's other things in my childhood that I experienced that was terrifying. And that, that shaped me to be afraid so often. It was unspoken. People didn't know this by my energy and the way that I show up and make people laugh and be yeah. myself. But inside I had this inner narrative of being like, dude, you're going to die young and ultimately something bad is going to happen again. So I would always just try to run away from it. And through shingles and facing that storm and owning it, it has given me this understanding that, man, I'm going to, I'm going to show up and I'm going to be the Buffalo. I'm going to run towards that storm <laughs> and I'm going to get through it on the other side. I love that Buffalo day. I'm just going to Buffalo from now on. <laughs> <laughs> buffalo. And ironically, the building here on the other side is a massive mural of a Buffalo too. Uh, That's so, cool. So, yeah. so what's the logo for your new, for your company? 
So I mean, it should be a buffalo. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll save that for another podcast for my wife to join because she's got this pretty <sighs> epic description of how God gave her a vision for a logo. And it's like uh, you literally. And then not only that, like she hears this, draws it. And then she's at a church service. And during the church service, she looks over and like the light is hitting perfectly to where there's a rainbow design on the floor of the exact logo that she drew the day before. Wow. That's crazy. And she could describe it. That's what, like, that's amazing. But then when she describes what the logo means, it's like, okay, all right, this is unbelievable. So I was thinking earlier that I need to meet your wife. I haven't met her yet. I haven't yes. had that pleasure. But how cool would it be if we did a couples podcast, yes. my wife and your wife, and we just chop it up one evening? <laughs> we would love that. That would be amazing. That, that would be fun. Yeah. So uh, so tell me about the logo for the for the company, your company. Yeah. So, uh, well, so our brand is called Life Interconnected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea behind that is, is that God's made us like him being a tripart God, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the father, son, and the Holy spirit, uh, that he's made us tripart beings that we have our body, we have our emotions and we have, um, always, uh, so it's like get caught in the moment sometimes like, well, we have our body, our emotions and, um, why am I drawing a blank right now? <laughs> Dude, it happened to me all yeah. the time. I was doing this, this pitch the other day to a bunch of clients, yes. and I forgot the name of a documentary that I wanted to create. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah, so our mind, our emotions, and our spirit, okay? And so uh, this aspect that there's layers to our being, right? And so, like, for instance, um, she always says that, like, counseling has an aspect of helping the person. But if, if their nutrition isn't right, that's going to impact the way they think, right? Mm. So these, all these pieces of how they're connected, and God gave her this very clear outline of understanding the whole person, right? And so when we start realizing these parts, these components of who we are, and learning how to actually, again, not judge, but observe them, it gives us awareness to know how to actually start shaping them in the way that is healthy and not dysfunctional. And so Life Interconnected is the brand that we created together, and that logo um, is the one that I, that I referenced to. Now, the, the, the course that I created, um, you know, I, I have not created a logo specifically for that just yet. But, um, yeah, the, the idea of Life Interconnected, I love that because there's so many different, like, intersections of life that are interconnected. Yeah. And how God meets us. Yeah. And so, yeah. That's great. Well, where can people get a hold of you? To book you for speaking engagements, for mentorship, for the courses, for all of that. Yes. So right now you can meet me at my email. It's my name, Nathan R. Todd at iCloud.com. Um, I'm not strong on the socials. I'm stepping into that here in the future. Um, like I said, I've purposely been hidden for a long mm-hmm. time. Uh, I really wanted to, to grow in knowing how to use these platforms in a way that wouldn't pull me away from actually serving the ways that I know I feel called and created to serve. In. But so the best way is to reach me through that or hello at lifeinterconnected.com as well. Um, so Nathan, N-A-T-H-A-N-R, Todd, T-O-D-D at iCloud.com or hello at lifeinterconnected.com, just like how it sounds. I love it. Well. Nathan Buffalo Todd, thank you so much <laughs> for taking the time to hang out with me today and to share your story. And I just look forward to uh, watching you do your thing, man, and running towards us, running through those storms. Mm. Love it. My pleasure. Appreciate you, brother. Thank Any, you. Anytime.